What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Jilly Talks. I am your host, Jilly, a.k.a. Adam, or if you prefer pronouncing Jilly a different way, it is Gilly. Um, Jilly Talks is all about your story. It's about who you are, what you've been through, what you're going through. And we just believe here at Jilly Talks that your story is vital um, for other people to be able to thrive and to, uh, to grow. And we believe your story has the power to change lives and the power to impact people. And so we give you an opportunity to share your story. So if you have a story, we'd love for you to share it. And, uh, and I'm really excited about what's been taking place so far. The first two episodes have gone over really well and we've heard some, some great feedback and, and from it, we've heard people talk about their story and, and how they relate to that one. And actually next week, you're going to hear, um, somebody's story that, that was triggered from last week's story, from Terrence's story about, um, about his going through the, the, the willingness to take his own life. And so we're really excited about, um, how things are kind of being thread together and, and, and stories are coming out of other people's stories. And so I hope you, you stick with us at Jilly Talks. You stick with what's going on here. And I promise if you stick with us, you're going to hear some stories that are going to change your life and in return, change the lives of those around you as well. Now, Episode three is here. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I, I would love to introduce you to our, to our guest. Uh, I got to know our guest um, just about a year ago, actually. Uh, we were at the, the same event where I met Tarrant, actually. And, uh, and it was a, a privilege for me to meet this individual. Uh, I'll say this right off the get-go. Um, she has lots of energy. Um, so whether it comes out in this podcast or not, um, that's okay, but, but she does have lots of energy. And, and I remember this one moment, uh, we had an opportunity to share, um, just a few moments. It was supposed to be a very quick, I think minute or so, um, even though every person broke the rule and went to about 10 minutes. Um, but I shared my story and then she was sharing hers and I didn't do it on purpose, but I missed out on hers. Uh, and I'm somewhat thankful because she actually had everybody participate in a little bit of a dance off. And uh, I am no dancer. If I were to try, uh, I may break a leg or something. Um, but but I, I just, you know, her personality, who she is as a person and what she was doing with her life uh, really impressed me. And I also got to know a bit more of her story. I was so impressed with who she is. And, uh, and we've actually had the opportunity to partner together. And I'll let you, I'll let her um, tell a bit about that, about what we're doing together in just a moment. But would you welcome with me to the show, uh, to Jilly Talks, Connie Jacobs. Connie, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. And it's too bad we can't do a dance circle right now. Uh, I am re I'm really happy that we're not doing that. I'll be, I'll be very honest. But, <laughs> but Connie, uh, I'm, once again, I, I told you, I, I told everybody already just um, how much I admire you as a person. Um, but I want others to get a chance to know you. So would you just tell our listeners just a bit more about who you are and, and where you're from and what you're doing with your life? So, uh, yes, I am a mother and I live in Calgary and I am a 44 year old hip hop dancer. You could maybe call me an OG, I guess, because <laughs> of my age, not because of my skill. And I run a company called Movement with a Message, which uh, teaches resilience through hip hop. And then we have our division, National Hope Talks, which is about bringing hope to mental health issues all across Canada in schools and now in businesses as well. Awesome. That is, that is great. And, and I've seen a little bit of your social media stuff and, and you do have the moves. Um, so don't let her downplay uh, herself as a hip hop dancer. She does have the moves and it is pretty incredible. Just the, the, the people that you bring around you, the people that you come in contact with just through uh, hip hop, right? 
Very much. Yes. A lot of the artists that I work with, uh, it's beautiful, talented rappers and dancers who are all about creating positive social change. That's awesome. Um, so Connie mentioned already uh, about National Hope Talks, and it's a division of, of, of where, where she's already doing some work. And, and uh, Connie, would just tell them a bit more about National Hope Talks, like what we're doing, and this is where Connie and I actually work together. Um, but tell them a little bit more about what National Hope Talks is, and what's your, what's your for the actual National Hope Talks um, you know, program, I guess I can call it. So we go into schools and we bring hope as a plan. We say it's not enough to hope that things are going to get better with mental health. We're in a crisis. I just read a stat that said hospitalization of children is up 55% in Canada wow. for mental health issues. So checking into mental health wards, that's up 55%. One out of every five students struggles with a mental health issue. Like we are in a crisis and so we just don't want to put up with that anymore. So we want to go into the school. We want to, uh, we want to speak, but we also, I love what you're doing. We want to hear their stories. We want to interact. We want to create resource. We want to bring hope as a plan, not just, um, not just hype that gets kids um, excited for a moment, but we want to create some lasting change. And then we're also doing that in business because we realized that the two areas that mental health is the most, um, is affected the most is in business and schools. And when you think about it, people, when they leave their house, our kids go to school, we go to work. And if both are toxic, then of course we're going to come home and, and home is going to be really difficult. And so we want to see what we can do to really change the game in those two areas. Absolutely. That's, that's great stuff, Connie. I, it was exciting this past January, I got to be a part of um, one of our big first events where we, um, on the Bell Let's Talk Day, we, we put together an event uh, in Calgary and uh, I had the incredible privilege of being there and being a part of it. Now, I, I will say, if you're listening to us today, Connie took a huge gamble because she had never really even heard me speak before. Um, she just... She just basically trusted the fact that I was a communicator and uh, and put me in and not just put me in on in the lineup. She put me right after her, right at the beginning. So it could have gone all downhill from that moment. But she showed some trust and some faith, and so I appreciate it. But what an incredible event that was! I, I know we've heard lots of positive feedback, and and uh, I know you're planning on doing one next year, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we want to do this yearly. Um, it, it we want to spread it across Canada. And I just have to say that was an amazing first one and you knocked it out of the park. And, you know, I had no doubt from the moment I met you that <laughs> this guy can communicate. <laughs> well, that's all. I, if you're listening, I did not pay her to say that. I didn't say you can come on this, this episode. Uh, if you say that, I, not, none of that happened, but, but uh, that's great. I, you know, it's, it's a, such a good thing, such a great message. And the, the team that we have at National Hope Talks is a pretty incredible team of speakers and, and influencers. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes in the, not just next year, but in the years to come, it's pretty exciting. But but when it comes to the subject of mental health uh, and, and willing to, to tackle this subject, why, why is mental health so important to you? Uh, well, for me, it's, it's personal. Um, as well as I've worked with youth at risk for 20 years. Um, right when I got out of college, I was in East Vancouver working with kids that were on the street, kids who were into crack, drug dealers. Um, so I've come from that resilient side of work, but it really hit home um, when my own son 
uh, was hit with mental illness. And I mean, we're a typical, typical family, you know, we're, my husband and I, we've been married 20 years this year. And, um, you know, we're, we're not those families that I was working with in East Van. And now my eyes are open to, there's no such thing as those families. It's us, it's people, it's society. We're mental health flattens the ghetto and suburbia. Like it just, no one is immune to what um, mental illness, where it can hit. It can hit suburbia. It can hit the ghetto. It can hit um, the well-to-do family. And it can hit just middle, middle-class people like myself. So it's, it's everywhere. So you said personally with your own son. Do you want to just explain a little bit what, um, what happened with, with your son and with your family? Yeah, so um, we always kind of knew that there was something a little off um, when my son was born. He, he was he was a hard one from day one, <laughs> and we just thought parenting was really hard. <laughs> We're like, why do people become parents? Um, but at six years old, we really knew something was was off, and and because we had had our second one at that point, we were able to do a little comparison. Um, try not to be unfair but noticed uh, some significant differences. And so we, we paid a, uh, quite a bit of money to get our son assessed. And it, sure enough, it came out that he had anxiety and depression and ADHD and oppositional defiance disorder. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, no wonder this was so hard. Um, and, and it was hard to believe that someone that young could have a diagnosis like that. But that, that's actually quite common today for hmm. diagnosis. Wow. that to come out even that young wow yeah because typically when we hear about depression we usually think of an adult and even more today we, we we think of a teenager but it's not often that we hear at least not talked about we don't hear of a six-year-old having depression what was it specifically in in his behavior or even the, the moments where you were comparing that you noticed hey maybe there's more to this than what's actually going on like that what we actually think is happening Right. He, he was very angry all the time. And so I probably would have never expected depression to be the diagnosis for that. He was uh, very oppositional. He was never really happy. It was hard to please him. Um, but that is actually one of the uh, manifestations of depression in kids. They don't know how to deal with that large uh, void that feeling inside so they'll either resort to sadness or they'll they'll get aggressive and they'll get angry and so they were saying that that was an, a sign that he was trying to communicate to us that something inside is wrong i don't know how to deal with this emotion that i'm feeling on the inside and so that's how we really knew something was up wow so for any parent hearing that their child has been diagnosed with anxiety, depression, ADHD, oppositional defiance, that would take a lot out of them. But that wasn't it for your family and specifically your son. Could you tell us what happened next, uh, I guess, when it was your son turned eight? Yeah, so when he turned eight, um, everything kind of just hit the fan. He was, wasn't understood by us. We didn't really know. We had this diagnosis, but we still didn't know how to parent him. Uh, the way I grew up did not work for him. So he wasn't really fully understood at home. He wasn't understood by teachers at school. Um, a lot of peers didn't understand him. So at eight years old, he began, became suicidal. And that sounds so young. But when you think about it, an eight-year-old who's never understood anywhere in their, in their life, at home, school, 
they're, they're going to feel desperate. And that's how he felt. And I remember us trying to get him help. And someone said, you know, if he ever threatens the suicide again, you have to take him to the hospital. And I didn't know that. And I think it's important for even any of your uh, people who listen to your podcast to know, like if people are threatening suicide and they mean it and it's over and over that you have to take them to the hospital. That's just what you have to do. And so we did. And um, he was admitted and he was there for three weeks um, where they were monitoring him on some medication. They were uh, monitoring his moods. And um, during that time, the psychologist asked me, you know, so what do you do when your son is throwing these fits of rage? And I told her, I said, well, I send him to his room and I tell him you can't come out until you're going to be a good boy. And she said, oh, no, you, you never send the hurting away from you. You bring them closer. Mm. And I have to say that statement has rocked my world. I struggled with it. I didn't believe it at first. I didn't even like hearing it. I didn't agree with it. But when I got home from the hospital with him, I was, nothing I was doing was working. I was willing to try anything at that point. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask that question. Like what was, would you say that was like your aha moment where you were like, I think something's working or, you know, putting that into practice. Like, was that, where was that moment for you where you figured out this is the method that is working to help our son? That, yes, that was it right there. I mean, when we got home, I mean, it echoed in my head and I remember wondering, what does that look like? Bring him closer. Mm -hmm that look like and so we tried when he was throwing a fit of rage we would keep him in the same room instead of sending him away now sometimes he didn't want to be close to us but it was his choice if he went away it wasn't me sending him away and I remember just sitting with him and saying son like we have you we've got you you belong in our family we will not give up on you we're gonna we're gonna see this through and showing up like that for a year changed the game because at first he just thought, well, you're just trying to manipulate me. You're just trying to get me to comply and behave. But I had to put the desire to change his behavior on the sidelines and really let him know that we were in this, in the long haul with him, no matter what it looked like. And once he believed us, that's when things changed. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it is pretty safe to say that that um, your family you you were going through a bit of a whirlwind, and I'm sure at some point there was you know this is not what you expected from life life as a married couple life as as parents it's not it's not what you ever envisioned when you said I want to get married and have kids um, but but can you tell our audience what it was like for you as a family not just for yourself but as a family what were the emotions you guys went through what were some of the the you know maybe the the heartaches between you and your husband that you guys were facing trying to deal with how do we how do we help him how do we get through this and and maybe i don't know there's moments where you said let's do this and he said no let's do this like what were those moments of you know i don't know if, if we're even going to be able to survive this whole process Oh, for sure. I'm honestly very surprised that we're still married because it really took a toll on our marriage. And when you're going through things like this, I don't know about anybody else, but I know that for us, it was who is to blame for this? Um, is it the child's fault? Okay, no, it's not. Okay, it must be your fault. And all of a sudden, the spouse is, it's you, it's your family. It's all these, you know, and you go into the family history and you think, 
you're trying to peg it on something. And when yeah. you realize that there's nowhere to peg it, you just have to deal with it. That's when we leaned into one another. But at first, oh, it was so hard. And on our little one, um, who's four years younger than my oldest son, uh, he got the brunt of it. He got the brunt of my oldest son's aggression, name calling, just destroying his spirit, breaking his heart, rejecting him. And then for him to hear my husband and I yelling at each other, you know, trying to figure out how to make this work. We're both exhausted. Um, it was it was a very rough road. I drank myself to sleep every night. Everyone was in bed. I would hit the whiskey, knock myself out because I just did not know how to get through this crisis. And I can't even tell you at this point what exactly got us through, what, what the moment was where all of a sudden my husband and I, we are not just still married, but we're, there's a depth now. Uh, I can't tell you when that happened. Uh, we just had to keep leaning in and keep leaning in and keep showing up. And um, the, the book, uh, Keep Your Love On, was my, was my go-to, you know, just keep loving him, keep loving him. And, you know, we had to struggle with our youngest for a while. He had to go to counseling as well. Just he had all the aftermath of all of this. So there was more to it than just my son, my oldest son and myself. It was quite the family crisis. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty powerful. Um, your your son now is twelve, mm-hmm. right? And and doing better. Um, what today are you know? Are, I'm I'm assuming that you still stick to some of those same practices you were doing when he was younger. But have there been changes in how you now deal with him now that he's getting older and is getting you know I guess used to being able to express how he's feeling to you as a family? What what are the dynamics now that he's older? Oh, it's it's so nice because now he knows that we have his back no matter what. Um, he tells us everything. Some things I wish he wouldn't tell us because <laughs> you know, he's 12 and, but he's so open. And I think it's because we've, we've worked very hard at creating the connection line between us. He knows that he belongs in our family. He knows we're for him and he knows that we've stuck with him in one of the hardest times of his life. So our, our connection is really strong, which is great. Um, he is 12, which means we deal with some fight for autonomy and, and some attitude. And I had to ask his counselor, are we resorting back? Because some of these traits are the same as they were before. But she said, oh, no, now, now this is a 12-year-old. This is now, you know, <laughs> this is normal. <laughs> so what's nice is that I have some of these tools in my toolkit um, of giving choice, of how to work with opposition that worked with him before, and it still works now. So I'm really thankful. That's great. Um, I, I said in our first, in, in my first episode of Jilly Talks, that um, that I am a Christian, and and that I would interview others who are Christians, but not, but this podcast wouldn't necessarily be a Christian podcast because I believe that. The subjects we're talking about are not just for Christian people. They're for every person. Um, but having said that, for me as a person uh, of faith, and, and I believe that a lot of my help and my strength comes from God, and, and ultimately that's obviously what I want for people, but that's not what we're here for. But, but what I've asked other guests is, 
what are some things that you can put into place um, for, for like you did as a mom or uh, for you as a kid, you know, with, with your kid, what are some things you've put into place that where you can say, I need help? You know, like what are some ways? Cause you, you said that, you know, um, you would drink yourself to sleep. You, you obviously know that wasn't the best option for you. Um, but, but what are some things you would suggest to people um, who are looking for help? Maybe they're dealing with the exact same situation you're going through. Maybe it's slightly different. I, I, I'm not too sure, but what would you say is some advice that, that someone who's going through something similar that they could put into practice to help them through this situation? Oh, absolutely. I, well, I got to say that any kind of drinking or any kind of substance is not going to solve the problem. It's going to erase it for a moment and then it's going to be right there waiting for you when you come to. Um, for me, honestly, uh, my faith, I would not be here without that. And every morning um, I wake up and I have to fill myself with the strength of God. And without him, there's no way I would, I would be able to do even what I do right now. Um, I feel like parents in crisis or even just parents who are struggling with difficult children, they, they forget to take care of themselves. And we hear a lot about self-care. Um, and some of the things I hear about self-care kind of bother me. But it's, it's so important uh, for me to wake up before my kids. So I have... I've had two hours um, to do what I need to do so that when they wake up, I'm not half there. Uh, I feel like we do need to take responsibility for ourselves. I think I like that word better than self-care. Take responsibility for yourself um, so that you can be uh, peaceful with your children, so you can be present with your children. That's what they really need. Um, I heard a statement from Jean Vanier once, um, says you can't bathe anyone without without peace in your hands. Like that's so true. You can't parent without peace in your hands. You can't um, you can't just be a good person without peace in your hands. And so whatever we have to do to fight for that peace is is really, really important. And for me, structuring my life, structuring my mornings um, has helped me tremendously. Mm -hmm. how, how how important are relationships? Um, you know, friendships and even with your spouse, but friendships, um, you know, to when it comes to coping with this type of pressure and stress that we, that you as a parent were f facing, what, what kind of important part do friendships and relationships play in the coping, um, coping, you know, method in, in this whole process? Oh, it's so important. Um, just having the friends that I have that have understood through the whole, from the crisis to now, the, the friends that we could bring our kids over and have my son melt down and they're still our friends. Mm -hmm. That has given me a lot of strength and courage. Um, the opposite is also true. You know, sometimes friends aren't there um, because they don't know how to handle some of these things. They don't know how to handle my son who may be now a negative influence on their children. Like that's real. And it's not that they're bad people. I just discovered that a lot of people don't know how to handle um, brokenness like this. But when, when we do, when those friends that show up uh, regardless of what a mess you're in, it makes all the difference in the world. And I believe that we're here today because of those friends as well. 
That's great. Yeah, we we talk about it in you know in our hope talk stuff, and um, but even just when it comes to the the whole idea of that mental health day that we had, that we can't stay silent anymore, and and, and we've understood that the the most um, damaging thing we can do is to stay quiet and to stay silent when you know when, maybe it's not us who are dealing with this this mental health issue, but but somebody we know is we we can't take on this burden by ourselves. We, we need people who are going to come with us in this journey and, and help us when we're weak and, and, you know, believe in us when things are crazy in our life. And so it's, you know, saying that, you know, your friends who, who come over and they can accept what's happening in front of them and not judge you and not, you know, it's, it's such a, a crucial part to who we are as humans, that relationship, that connection we have to other people. So that's, that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. I, I really do appreciate your story and appreciate you being uh, honest and open and willing to share it. Um, one of the things that I've been asking um, our guests on this show, and I'll continue to ask this because for me, it's, it's such a, uh, you know, I'm so curious to know where people are at and what they, what they think. And, and the question is this, it's if you could, knowing what you know now, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad, what would you tell high school you about life? <laughs> well, I would tell that young lady to not worry so much about what my hair looks like um, <laughs> or what I look like. That's all I cared about when I was a teenager. Um, I would allow, tell myself, just feel, allow yourself to feel. Don't, don't hold back. Don't hold back who you are because you're trying to fit in. Uh, just be who you are and live it full on. That's what I would say. That's great. Well, Connie, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and you should feel honored because you're our first guest outside of Saskatoon on this, uh, on this podcast. Um, our first two guests were, some, were from Saskatoon and now we have somebody from Calgary. So uh, I feel less pressure now about including the rest of the country uh, because I've already started to do that. Uh, eventually I'll have people from more on the East side of Canada, but I'm, I'm happy that we started in Calgary outside of Saskatoon. So, um, so I do want to say thank you. And, and just, again, I appreciate, you i appreciate what you're doing with national hope talks and and uh just for me being able to be a part of something uh so significant which i think is so uh important and needed in our country i, I really appreciate you and your willingness to spearhead this with some pretty key individuals and uh and so thank you for for that thank you um for this uh, but I, I want people to have an opportunity to connect with you, um, whether it's just through following your life or maybe to ask you some questions. And um, so, so how can they best find you? Maybe it's on social media. How can they best track you down on social media? Uh, so social media is at Connie Jacob, uh, whatever um, Twitter. I don't I who uses Twitter. I barely use Twitter. Forget <laughs> I said Twitter. Uh, Instagram is a big one. Um, Connie Jacob, J-A-K-A-B. That. J-A-K-A-V. My last name used to be Smith and life, life was easy back then. Um, <laughs> or uh, at National Hope Talks. That's a great place to keep in touch with um, what you and I are doing together across Canada with that. 
Awesome. That's great. Well, if um, you have liked what you heard uh, on this podcast and you, you've liked what some of what Connie has shared, and maybe maybe some of her story resonates with you and your story, and uh, you, you feel the need to reach out to her and ask her some questions, or maybe you need some help, and, and, and Connie might be somebody who can offer you some resources, or, or maybe you're a teacher or a principal or, or somebody who thinks you would love to have National Hope Talks in your school. Uh, please reach out to Connie, myself, um, find us at National Hope Talks, and, and we would love to, um, to, to give you whatever help we can uh, as you journey through this life and journey through your story uh, with whatever it is um, that's a part of your story. And, and hopefully someday you can be a storyteller on, on this, uh, this episode, on this show. And uh, so again, thank you, Connie. I uh, really appreciate you being with us on Jilly Talks. Thanks for having me. That's great. Uh, well, that's another episode of Jilly Talks. I'm really, really happy with, uh, with everything that's happening with Jilly Talks, and I'm excited for, for you, the listener, who has an opportunity to hear some uh, open, um, honest conversation uh, with people sharing their story. And as I already mentioned, I really hope that someday your story um, is shared on this podcast. And, and we truly believe, again, that your story has power. Your story has the ability to change lives. And uh, I would love for you to someday be a storyteller uh, on this show. If you have a story or you know somebody whose story needs to be shared, uh, please contact me. You can find me at, um, at Jilly Adam, G-I-L-L-Y-A-D-A-M on pretty much any social media site. And I'd love to connect with you. Until next time, we'll see you next Friday. Have a good one.